Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. <sighs> well, that sucked. Um, as you can tell by the music, um, and if you haven't uh, checked the score or Twitter or the internet, and you're just coming out from your rock now, um, not not a great weekend, everyone. Um, the Milan Derby happened. Quite frankly, wish it didn't. Um, leaving the entire Milan fan base speechless at best and vitriolic at worst. Um, welcome to the Devil Wears Rossonero. I mean, it, it is truly that baffling of a result. I don't, I don't even have a monologue for this. That's how bad this game ended up being. So welcome to the Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick Stoll. He's Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero. It's where you can get a hold of us in acmilan.theoffside.com for your go-to coverage of a team that is clearly the weakest mental team on the face of the footballing planet. A team that played their best half of football in legitimate years to go 2-0 up on title contending Inter, dunking on Inter with Rebic and Ibrahimovic, Ibrahimovic bossing the game, AC Milan doing everything right in the first half. 2-0 up, and once everyone's adrenaline went back down, the collective response from Milan Twitter was just hang on, like keep it going. Keep this up, like make it make it reality, right? And then quite frankly, there was no lead up. The second half just happened and right out of the gate Inter stomp on the throats of AC Milan, completely flip the script. Brozovic scores, Vecino scores. Brozovic's goal was within 10 minutes. 90 seconds later, Vecino's goal. And then Milan just get absolutely dunked on. DeVry scores, and then Lukaku Puts a cherry on top after being invisible for 93 and a half minutes. In order to seal one of the greatest gut punches that possibly could have been delivered to AC Milan. Now it's not, it's not the Atalanta loss. But it feels like it. Because going up 2-0 to a rival like that 
in the situation we were in and then just getting absolutely railroaded for the second half is one of the most deflating things that has happened to this team in a long time. That unbeaten in 2020 thing, that's gone. The turn to new leaf, that's clearly gone. The mental strength that we thought was there, that's gone. The consistency, that's gone. It's all just wipe it clean. Because instead of in sixth, we're lower on the table now. Enter are charging towards what could be their first title in years. And we are sitting, languishing, suffering after being unable to keep it together. And on that note, I will bring in my hopefully less depressed co-host, Tim Fontenault. Uh, have you recovered, Tim? Last last week, I asked you if you had recovered from the Super Bowl halftime show. This week, I'm asking you if you recovered from uh, a complete kick in the cojones. Yeah, and you know what's funny about the parallel between those two is that, like the Super Bowl, I also didn't get to I well this one I didn't get to the Super Bowl I chose to I wasn't in front of my TV watching this game live so but I still was feeling a lot of the same emotions as the game wore on because I was coming home from a basketball game actually Um, big win for my alma mater I was really excited so I walked out of the arena on a high I was on my way home and I was keeping track of the game and Rebic scored and I got really excited Zlatan scored a few minutes later, and I was extremely giddy. I felt like my prediction was gonna was in a good spot, and I was ready to I was ready to sip the tea. But I thought to myself, you know, I was I was looking on Twitter, I was seeing what everyone was saying, I was watching the goals. I'm like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna get ahead of myself because I know this team. I know this team way too well, and. Um, you remember when the Atalanta match happened and I believe I used the word numb to describe I'm numb. Like I honestly, like I couldn't, I couldn't muster up anger or sadness or frustration after this. I just felt numb. Like it was like something I knew could happen. Like not just knew could happen. Something I just felt in my gut would happen. Like, I came on here last week, and I said that I was going to back them for a win. And I really believed it. But even at 2-0, I was like, I'm still not there. I still don't feel good yet. A few minutes out of halftime, I get that Brozovic goal notification. And I'm like, well, this is where it gets really bad. Either I'm going to be sitting on that, on that podcast this week feeling amazing about a 2-1 that I predicted, or we're going to be talking about something really, really bad. Two minutes later, there's the next one, and then you know the rest of the story. And it's just, it's just another day. It, it really, that's what I'm at. Like, that's where I'm at right now. If, if we had won the game, it would have been amazing. And it, it would have been such an unbelievable feeling to beat them for the first time in nearly four years in the league. 
you know, what does it say about the direction of this team? What does it say about whatever is going to be left for the guy who takes over for Pioli? But it wasn't going to change anything about this season. I don't think it still would have been Europa League at best. They're two points out of the Europa League qualifying spot right now behind Verona, which is in itself a, a gut punch. But, you know, the thing that's most frustrating, like the one win that could have come from this season is if Milan had had some sort of hand in the title race. Because at 2-0, at 2-0, Inter were third. They were third, and Milan were sixth. Today we're talking about Inter being in first place. Because this title race has been so in, like ridiculous. Just frankly absurd. That Inter are ahead of Vive on goal difference, and Lazio are now only a point behind. And Milan, Milan could have put Inter in third. And that, for me, would have been the best thing about this season. If they lost the title by a point or two, and Zlatan and Rebic could just be like, hey, that was us. That was all us. But here we are. And, you know, we can, we can sit and talk about what went well, which was... When, he boiled down, when it boils down to a decent first half and a really bad goalkeeper. And then what went disastrously wrong, which was any sort of attempt to play defense in the second half. And but that's all that's all we're at. Like that's how I feel like that's all we can do because that's just how this season is. It, it was very symptomatic as you say, of the problems that this team uh, have had and have been going through and have been even remotely attempting to fight off and change. Um, to, to run through the lineup real quick, they went with a 4-4-1-1. That, that's what I have in front of me here. And, it, it, I mean, it's true. You had Donnarumma from left to right, Teo... Romagnoli, Kier, uh, Conti, Rebic, Benacer, Kessier, Kessieho, and then Chalinoglu in a free roll, and then Ibra. So there, there are such good things from all of these guys in the first half, and then such trash from them in the second, right? Um, Donnarumma, frankly, I don't blame for any of the goals they he was he was good um Teo so what I noticed when Milan were clicking in the first half Teo and Rebic on the left were open every single run of play every single time and this is not an exaggeration every time Teo and Rebic started going they were just open. Like, Teo had so much time and space. And he was able to find Rebic, who was able to turn and, like, figure out what to do. That often involved kicking it out to Cassier, who would then be the decision maker of, would it go to Cassiejo for him to get it into the box? 
or would he get it to Teo, who would give it... At one point, they had, like, a little triangle. Um, you had Chalunoglu in the free roll, which I love. Um, Benacer was good. Um, Rebic was, like, in-form Rebic. Uh, Cassiejo was playing like the guy who replaced Suso. He was streaking down the right... He was whipping balls into the box. Almost all of his service balls were, one, seeking out Ibra, and two, on target, like landed where they needed to be. Uh, Brilliant. He was smart. He was decisive. All the things that he wasn't in the first half of the season, he was. And it was was really good to see... um, Romagnoli and Kier looked organized. They looked compact. Uh, they had a couple scares in the first half, but they, you know, thanks to Godin just missing and Donnarumma being able to scoop up a ball that would have been finished otherwise, you know, kept Inter out of goal. They shut down in the first half kept Lukaku invisible. Sanchez had like three touches on the ball in the first half. One of them was offside. Um, Ashley Young was um, useless. Uh, Barella seemed like he was trying, but it wasn't working. Brozovic couldn't get control of the ball. Vecino was also kind of like trying and failing, and Kendreva didn't have a touch. Um, But then... So, like, and more on Chalinoglu, brilliant. Just the first half, once you got, once Milan got into the final third, it was, I mean, it was something to see how Teo and Rebic and Chalinoglu and Castillejo and Ibra were all working together. And it, it just seemed so organized and fluid. And it looked like they knew what they were doing. Shocker, right? And so, and Benacer would sit back. That's what he does. Cassier would be forward a little more than I'd like, just because he doesn't have that forward quality to him. But he was able to help, and that overwhelmed Inter a lot. It really did. Zlatan was, I mean... He bossed this first half. He was an absolute animal. Um, The space that he created, the passes that he made, the touches he had on the ball, even when he was up in midfield with everyone else um, before they really initiated their attack, was just really, really sharp. Um, And you can tell that he's still kind of coping with the fact that he can't really run anymore. And you can tell that he's still coping with that. But it was it was just so good. Because again, they would initiate like Teo Hernandez would start every attack somehow. But as soon as he crossed into the inter third, that's when it got really like this is where the fun begins. Get it to Rebic, he would give it to Teo, who give it back to Rebic. To Chalanoglu, to Kessie, back to Rebic, forward to Teo. Like, 
it looked like it was all intentional, drawn up. The pressure that they were putting on Inter was working so well. Everyone knew where they were supposed to be. They were organized. When you and I were talking, I said a major concern of ours, or mine, excuse me, was how we would deal on a counter. And we were organized on counter defense and then able to put together attacks. We didn't really nail them on the counterattack, but whenever we got the ball back, at one point we had 60% possession. And they were just pinging it around. It was careful. It was calculated. It was really put together. So that was the first half. And just an excellent ball from Castillejo to Ibra, who assisted Rebic for the first goal. And then the second one was just Ibra asserted, or excuse me, the second one was just Ibra asserting dominance. Like that was peak Zlatan in 2020. Just absolutely nailing it. Um, and also shout out to Padelli for both goals. He was horrendous on both of those goals. An absolute mess. Just a disaster. Abs- they missed they missed Handanovic so badly in that first half. Handanovic would have played better with a broken finger. Like he actually would have played better than Padelli. Padelli was such a mess. He had no idea where. And that's one of the reasons that Milan, I think, were so confident going forward. Is that, look, if you put the, if you force him to make a choice, you will likely profit from it. And they did. It was something to see. What's really frustrating is, you know, you have Padelli in goal. And then you look at this inter team wide. And we. We've been talking about, and you've you've articulated this first half perfectly, with Hernandez wide and Rebic and Castillejo. Milan is a team that likes to work from the outside in, and they they've had really good play down the wings this year against Ashley Young and Antonio Candreva as wing backs. Inter are just asking for it out wide. Like, you're asking to just get decimated on the wings. And then we we saw in that first derby, and I mentioned this last week, how Diego Godin could not handle someone coming at him one-on-one, a Rafael Leao, or in this case, an Ante Rebic. And as long as you stayed away from the spine, you know, think about, like, DeVry in the middle, that midfield three, when they're, when they're clicking, they're very, very tough. So to stay as far away from the middle as possible and then work your way to the attacking third from the wings. This was just asking for Milan to get all over this team. And they took full advantage in the first half. They took advantage of weak wing play from Inter and a very bad goalkeeper. And how they just didn't... How, whether it was Antonio Conte devising a plan that got Inter to force Milan toward the middle in the second half or what, I just it completely fell apart. We break down the first half, right? And then the second half, I, you and I were talking off air about what possibly could have been said at halftime for Milan to shut off like they did and for Inter to start playing like the title contenders they are. Well, 
evidently, whatever Antonio Conte said, I'm going to need me some of that. Because clearly he read those interplayers the riot act and said, you know, I, I don't know what threats he made, but it worked. Because Inter were a whole new team. And I don't know what Pioli said, but I need him to never do it again. Because Milan came out, and I it, it's really it's really hard to describe what exactly I witnessed watching this second half. Because right off the bat, Inter, it was like you flipped the switch on. Inter were all over it. Milan were on the back foot. They were, like, pensive. They were restrained. Like, the all the aggression, all the pressure that they had in the first half was just completely gone. Just not there at all. They were limp. They were they were just like bogged down. Things that Inter had tried in the first half that were shut down and didn't work worked. Things that Milan were like pulled off successfully didn't work. It was it was legitimately it was it was like a Twilight Zone thing where just everything was just inverse. Um Milan were getting run over. Inter had a really early chance, and I was like, oh my god, please no. And then six minutes in, Brozovic scores a rifle. And I said, oh my god, okay. Uh, my, my exact words, I believe, were, it's okay, it's just one, get it together. And honestly, that goal wasn't really that bad of a goal to give up. I mean, you know, Rebic, Rebic like Andreva get inside. You know, Rebic isn't a wing back. It, for some reason, Teo was dropped. That was the thing on all the goals was that the defenders were just dropped. It felt like they were dropped so back and so slow to react. So Hernandez steps up. Kendreva tries to let fly, but it deflects off of him. And then it just pops up and Brozovic gets underneath it and just drives through it with his leg and... Donnarumma screened out. There really wasn't much he could do on it. So that was the one goal that I could like at least take some like some solace in that there wasn't much they could do. But then you're just like, oh, crud. Yeah, that, that was the one I agree. That was the one where I like, held my hands up. I was like, I mean, what are we going to do? Like, do I wish they had closed down better? Sure. Do I wish that, you know someone had gotten up on him considering he's literally their center midfield guy. Like you knew he was going to do something. So I don't know why he had the space, but as soon as he connects with it, there's nothing anyone can do. Um, So that, that was the one that I was willing to hold my hands up on and say, you know what? All right. But then things got ridiculous because as I am getting over that goal, Vecino puts in the second goal, and this is where the real rage starts, right? Because it was 90 seconds later. We're 53 minutes in, so we're eight minutes past halftime. And Vecino gets a ball from Sanchez, who completely just split our defense open somehow. This is Alexis Sanchez, 
Yes, that Alexis Sanchez. The washed up, useless Manchester United paying him to not be at their club. Alexis Sanchez just splits our defense right down the middle. Just a nice, clean break right through. And then brings it to the touchline, cuts it back, finds Vecino 2-2. And it was at that moment that I knew we were losing this game. There was no coming. That, that number one, the fact that we were exposed by Alexis Sanchez, I knew we were hosed. Two, when it went to VAR and I started seeing like, you know, one one screenshot looks like he was onside. But then another screenshot from a different angle, angle excuse me, looks like he was very offside. Milan Twitter was saying off. Inter Twitter was saying on. Officials said on because, of course, they did. I admittedly say on. Yeah, I mean, I'll, the, the replay that they, frankly, took a while to show on the broadcast. They took a long time to show that replay. Um, and I have no idea why it took so long, but we didn't see it. Um, I, I know you weren't able to watch the game. We didn't see the replay for another five minutes. Uh, we never saw that screen. And, like, the game just, like, kept going. Are we ever going to see that? Like, are we ever going to see this? Because we're seeing a bunch of different angles right now on Twitter. And then finally, the replay shows up. And, I like, I, as soon as I saw the actual replay, I was like, okay, yeah, I think he's on. But... That's, I, I was just losing my mind because at that moment you knew there was no, one, we were not winning that game. Two, we were going to be lucky for a draw. And three, it was a lock that we were going to lose. Yeah, it was a guaranteed loss at that point. And you know what, even if you're, even if you think that he was narrowly offside, like Premier League VAR scandal offside, what is Conti doing other than being the Conti that we know and despise sometimes? Um, what was Kiar doing? Because they both just let him slip through them like they were just cones. Like it was like, oh, there you go, Alexis. Well, yes, please go through. Have have a go at Donnarumma. You know, um, Kessier was watching the guy at the top of the box, so I don't really blame him as much. But they just completely stood still. They were statues that just let him go through, and then you know that pulls Donnarumma out to deal with him and Romagnoli overreacts he drops so far back that he's almost in the six and Vecino's just able to stroll right into the middle of the box and all Sanchez has to do is lay it off and he just gets to knock it in like I, I don't know what the heck any of Conti Kiar or Romagnoli was doing in that situation the the laziness of the first two and the overreaction of the guy that we often scream about as the best center back in Italy which he is not no and he's not this this team did not play like a team that right now should be the fifth best defensive team in Serie A with in terms of goals against because they they very much were not and there's still two more goals to talk about yeah so here's what we're gonna do uh we're gonna do we're gonna do our commercial break now we'll get this over with we'll come back we'll break down the other two goals uh, so stay with us. We'll be right back. There's the Devil Wars Ross Narrow.
Welcome back to the Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick Stoll. He's Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot and at SBN Rossonero, acmilan.theoffside.com, as always, for all your coverage. So we were just breaking down the absolute disaster show that was the Derby um, della Madonnina, and we've we've broken down the first two goals. So let's get to the second two. This is what we have to do. And by the way, just before we get to it, I, I and I'm not I'm not calling anyone out here, but I someone said Kiar can't let the ball go through his legs like that on the Vecino goal. I and I, I bring it up because like he's he's one of our staff members at the AC Milan offside. My response to that was there was so much more that went wrong. There was more that went wrong with Kiar in that situation. Yeah. For example, like you said, Conti, who is the one who directly kept Alexis Sanchez on side by not getting back. It's his leg extended that keeps him on, uh, as you said. But why is Kiar, why are Kiar and Conti both so far back? from the rest of the defensive line. Like this is the this is the typical bad defending keeps attacker on side thing. Like this is actually defending 101. And they somehow, you know, color me shocked, Conti messed it up for us again, right? But he and Kiar are completely responsible for that and then also they put their hands up and they just stop like you can tell they don't turn around to try and fix it until after they see that they're not getting an offside call which i cannot believe and this this just like angers me that in an age of var where we all know this is not a secret the refs have been instructed to keep their flags down because worst case scenario they can go back and they can look at it and be like ah you were off that's what they've been doing this whole time how are we still having players like raise their hand to be like oh he's off like what are you doing play to the whistle they're not gonna blow it until the play is dead anyway so, like, of course it's Conti and Kiar who throw their hands up. And Romagnoli, by the way, at that time is still going. And then they have to recover. By then, it's too late because Vecino already has the room because Alexis didn't stop. And then he just slots it in for a classic LOL, you chased me out with the keeper pass. And then that was it. So that's 2-2. And now... I'm just prime pissed off because there's no way we're winning this game and two goals in 90 seconds didn't have enough time to get over the first one. Now we're tied and all the things that we did in the first half, right? We knocked on the door for 40 minutes before we scored and we finally broke through and then Zlatan put us at, put us at two, right? We knocked on the door for 40 minutes And then five minutes. They ran us over in six and tied it up at eight. So all the work that we did in the first half was just erased in the span of eight minutes and frankly 90 seconds. So then 
we just continued to get run over. And this is not a joke. It was one-way traffic. Nothing we did was working. We had maybe one stretch, like of like two minutes, where we, you know, actually managed to get it back into the inter third again, like into the box again, where Ibrahimovic, like he shot a ball that just went way too wide. Um, and like at one point we got into the box and like, that's when our lack of success in the box, like, let's see if we can put it in there and question mark, question mark, question mark, profit started happening. But then at the 70th minute, it was the DeVry goal. And I, you know, this is where I start losing my mind. Because this goal is 100% Alessio Romagnoli's fault. Because he just got beat. He completely just got beat. And actually, no, excuse me. It's not 100% his fault. Because Kandreva putting in the, like putting in the corner like it was a good it was a good ball right so it, it was from a corner it was a good ball and it was a good run from DeVry so like credit to the two of them but on Milan it is all on Romagnoli keep up with him and if you're supposed to be the best defender in Italy which he's not like we just said he's not um he's completely fallen apart He's not going to get called up to the Italian national team. Like he can kiss the he can he can kiss the Euros goodbye because there's no That spot is very much a Cherubis right that, now. Yeah. And Benucci and Chiellini are going to start. So there's no way like I just I just don't know how a player like Romagnoli lets himself get beat that badly. And DeVry just thumps it in. It was a good header. It was a clinical header to where Donnarumma couldn't get it. 3-2, 70th minute. And then we are well and truly hosed. I mean, if there's one guy that we've been able to count on throughout the entire season to play to his potential, it's Romagnoli. And I don't know what he was doing on this goal, as I mentioned on the goal before that. This was... I've, I've never seen such a shocking performance from Romagnoli. And just really quick to go back, I want to, I've want been internally screaming about what you pointed out about Chiara and Conti on that uh, when they were calling for offside. It's elementary. How, like, how many players are told as kids, you're not going to change the linesman's mind. You're not going to change the referee's mind. So what the heck are you doing? Like, that's just embarrassing right there. But anyway, Romagnoli, I mean, this was probably the worst performance I've seen from him. Definitely the worst performance this season, possibly in a red and black shirt. I mean, I, I, I'm just at a loss for how he was so shockingly bad. All he had to do was stay with DeVry on that. And yes, DeVry made a great run. It was just good movement, cuts toward the goal, pops back out. But you can't let him get a clean header from, let's say, that was like, what, 18 yards? Not, not eight. He was in the box. It was like 15 yards going away from goal in a crowded box against Alessio Romagnoli. A center back has no business scoring from there. And Romagnoli let him. 
and it looked like the only way that he was going to keep up. It looked like he was trying to grab him and just like pull him back toward him, which you know would have been a penalty and would have made things even worse. I feel like, but st- baffling how bad Romagnoli was on that marking. So then, seventy second minute, Christian Eriksen comes in. And this is where things start to really get a mess because you concede the lead at 70. Where are the subs? Why are we back to Gattuso ball? Where are the subs? What are we doing at this point? We're going to go through the lineup one more time. All right. At minute 70, Call it 72 because after the whole thing, right? 72 minutes. When Inter, 3-2 lead, makes its first sub of Christian Eriksen on for Alexis Sanchez. We have not even thought about a sub. Our lineup at this moment is still Donnarumma, Teo, Romagnoli, Kiar, Conti. Who, by the way, at this point, it's Donnarumma basically just getting exposed out there not his fault Teo this is second half uh evaluations by the way Teo bad Romagnoli bad Kiar bad Conti trash Rebic invisible Benacer didn't know he was still playing Kessie not good Castillejo invisible Chalonoglu only good in the final third otherwise useless Zlatan never got the ball that is still our lineup at 72. I'm now going to read out our bench. And this is where things get really dicey. Okay? Follow me. Begovic, goalkeeper. Calabria. What are we going to put him in for? We cannot possibly put Calabria in there. Bonaventura. Maybe. Liao. Maybe. Bilia. No. Musacchio. No. Pakita. Maybe. Gabia. No. Sa- Sa- Salar-, Salar makers? N- uh, I have no clue. No idea. Donnarumma 2. No. Lakshalt. D- no. Uh, and then Marco Brescianini. Uh, clearly a youth player. So no. So by my count. On our bench for this situation, and I'm just not considering Salar Makers at all, because we haven't seen him. We know nothing about him. So we have three usable players for this scenario. Three. And it's Bonaventura, Liao, Paqueta. Where are they going to come in to take out the players that need to come out? Because the players that need to come out right now, in my mind, at 72 minutes, Conti, get him out of there. How do we get him out? There's no one we can sub in for Conti. Because we can't go three at the back, because one, we clearly don't know how, and two, we can't put in, like, there, there's no substitution that we can make where a three at the back makes any sense. Because if we sub out Conti for a midfielder, as you would want to do, to put an actual player on the pitch, then we have Romagnoli and Kiar, who have been shocking 
And Teo. And Teo isn't a defender. Hashtag Teo not a defender. The only person I can see possibly other than Teo is Kessier dropping back. And that wouldn't make any sense. Right. But Kessier is my second guy who needed to come off right there. So, Benesser? Like, if you drop Benesser, like, but now we're now we're getting to, like, stupid FIFA crap. Where, like, oh, drop Benesser so deep that he's, like, kind of part of the three. We're not going to do that. That's not his position. Don't play people at position. If I was a fan of Circuses, I'd like to see little Benesser go up against Lukaku. But, oh, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, that would have worked out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have three usable players, and we have two players who at this moment I want out instantaneously. Uh, I need Kessie out, who because he had a good first half, and he was good, like, it's, it's tough, because Kessie was good, except in the second half when... In the inter final third and our final third, he stopped being good. Does that make sense? Like he, he was really, really, he was like prime Kessie in the first half. But second half, once we got into our final third and inter's final third, he just ghosted. Like in the middle, he was still doing what Kessie does. But it was just so hard to watch whenever Inter started the real attacking phase because it was like, oh God, where is he? What what where did he go? Conti remained useless. But again, why are we going back to Reno Gattuso substitution patterns? What you just blew the lead completely? You need a difference maker now. The first sub made by Stefano Pioli was, I'm scrolling through my timeline here, at 80 minutes. 80. So 10 minutes after he should have. All right? And the first one was Casiejo out for Liao. The second sub was Paqueta in for Kessie. All right? I would have liked Paqueta in for Kessie first. Because that happened to 81. I need that at 70. Because Pakita was frankly fine. Like, he was he was good. I mean, he had nine minutes. But, like, he was fine. I think given more time, you know, who knows. Liao should have come in at 72. Um, so, and I, I don't care who you take out as long as Kessie goes out. And, frankly... If you're going to throw the kitchen sink at him, take Chow Noglu out. Put someone in for him. Have, you know, dare I say, have Ibra and Liao up top and Paketa underneath them with who would be remaining? Rebic, Castillejo, Benacer back? And then you have Teo going forward too, and you just cope with Conti as we did. I saw Pockets I play behind Leao and Ibrahimovic once. It was in a dream I had last week. Uh, see, this would have, I, I mean, I'm not going to come out here and be like, oh, you know, that instantly would have worked. But the second half was calling for no Kessie, 
in my mind, no Chalinoglu because you know what I just said about Kessie? Amplify it by like five for Chalinoglu because Chalinoglu was good in like one third of the field. And then when it got to the second half, he was good in like one fifth of the field. And it was closest to the Inter's goal. And otherwise, he was just an absolute mess. He was completely invisible. And he needed to be taken off because the impact wasn't there anymore. So, a complete lack of substitutions. A complete lack of any impact to put into the game. And then, you know, so we're at 70 minutes where we are just getting absolutely torched. Christian Eriksen comes in because, of course, he does. We finally start making our subs at 80. Liao comes in for Castillejo. Victor Moses, of all people, comes in for Antonio Candreva. And as Antonio Candreva is walking off, as he is behind the net, Christian Eriksen takes a free kick, which, by the way, was conceded by Conti. And he just hits right in the corner of the goal. Hits the crossbar, which I have said this before. I will say it again. And this applies when I said it, and it still holds true. If Christian Eriksen had hit that free kick by rule, you have to end the game there. Because it was going to be that good. It beat Donnarumma. Donnarumma couldn't get a touch on it. And frankly... Milan were lucky not to be 4-0 down at 81 minutes. Uh, and then right after that, Bonaventura came in for Rebic, which it, it was literally like, let's see what this does. Because Rebic was one of the best players, and Bonaventura came on, and he was fine. But then Ibrahimovic hits the post at 90 minutes, uh, thanks to some help from Pakita cough cough and then right on the counter 90 plus three milan are super up the pitch it just kind of gets pinged around back to the other half victor moses crosses to lukaku who just completely bodies kiar and makes it four and this is what grinds my gears you want to hear what grinds my gears? Go on, Peter. A striker claiming there's a new king in town when he was shut down by Kiar. A really, really bad Kiar in this game, by the way. A dude claiming he's the new king in town. When one, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is bigger than Romelu Lukaku has ever dreamed of being. He has more trophies than Lukaku will ever possess. He is a bigger name, bigger personality, and a bigger success story than Lukaku can ever hope of being. Alright? So first of all, don't claim that there's a new king in town. Just because you are one of the best players on one of the best teams in Italy, and yes, you might be the new king in town. I'm not saying he's completely wrong. Don't get me wrong. By the way, if you listen to the prior episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, you will hear me say, 
Lukaku is scoring in this game. That's a lock. I called it. I'm sad, but I called it. Lukaku, frankly, is right. The problem is he was an absolute nobody for 92 and a half minutes. And he scores a garbage time header from... I still can't believe it was Victor Moses with the assist. Yeah, I we haven't talked about that enough. Completely bodying Kiar, which this is what Lukaku is going to do. You know, as Lukaku does, and just makes it four. And I turned the TV off then. That was it for me. I'm giving secondary assists to Chalanolo and Romagnoli on that one. Oh, it was shambolic. I mean, you know, Moses gets to the touchline. Like, Chalanolu told him that he could have a 10-pace head start. I mean, Chalanolu walked behind him. Walked to get into position with him. And then Romagnoli sat 10 yards off him. Sat 10 yards off him in the box with his hands behind his back. I know he didn't want to have the cross hit him in the hand and have it in the box. So step to him. Yeah, get up on him. The closer you are to him, the harder it is for him to play that ball in. And if you are Alessio Romagnoli and you can't step to Victor Moses and cut him off from either A, making a cross, or B, cutting the ball back and trying something else, you don't deserve to be Alessio Romagnoli. And I mean, that's just pathetic. That was that was my third grievance with Romagnoli. I thought that he had issues on three of these goals, and it was unbelievably embarrassing on his part not only for to be the best player on this team arguably um, not only to be a rising defender in this league I still want to say one of the best but not the best but the captain of Milan in a Milan derby to have such a shocking performance was maddening and sad. I mean, you. I I feel for him because I love him. I'm angry with him because I love this team, and I want them to fight in every derby, in every match, but especially a derby. I I don't know what else I can possibly say about Romagnoli. I'm just all over the place with how I feel about him right now. Well, and it's so disappointing because as I said at the beginning, we saw such a good performance in the first half. This the first half was the biggest like oh my god, we really have turned it around. Like look at what we can be, look at what we can do, look at what the perfect vision of what this team should look like. That was it. Right? They were coming out of the gates. They were aggressive. It was fluid. They always had their head up. They were looking for the next pass and the pass after that. It was perfect. I I mean, they could have taken a couple chances better, but yeah, that'll happen. But the second half was like legitimately one of the worst halves of AC Milan football I've seen in the past six weeks. Since Atalanta. And it was that bad, and it was that disappointing 
given what we had just seen. Like, all of the good things just miraculously dissipated. And that comes down to all of them. That there's no one person who is responsible for what happened. It comes down to, like, Romagnoli, the captain. What happened? Where was where was the leadership? Kiar, the organization, the compactness, where was it? Conti was fine in the first half. And then he resorted to his useless state. Teo Hernandez cannot defend. But then he was rendered useless in the second half offensively, which makes him a useless player. If Teo Hernandez is not able to attack, he's done because he's a useless defender. But at least we have him going forward. And at least he can also keep up with people defensively. Like pace, and I'm talking strictly pace. He can at least run with them. And then pray. Uh, Rebic was rendered useless. Benesser, invisible. Kessier, useless at times. Kessieho, rendered invisible. Chalunoglu, uh, man, the first half versus the second half. Like, the biggest night and day was Chao Nogu. So he was so good in the first half. And then the second half, it was like first half of the season body language Chao Nogu. I have no idea what happened. And Zlatan had no service. But again, where is the leadership? Where it? What happened? It was clear from the first five minutes of the second half that these guys were going to try and grind out a result. It was clear that they were going to try and take it to the bank and that they were going to park the bus and that they were just going to sandbag it, which is unacceptable. If you had that good of a first half, like, first of all, why why not keep going? Second of all, you know... Who's on the other touchline? You know Antonio Conte is going to make adjustments. And you know the talent on the other team. So you know they're going to turn it on. You know they're going to fire it up. It's how it's the pressure is back on you. How do you respond? And they responded in the weakest way they possibly could have. Which was, I hope that doesn't happen again. Oh, I hope we can get something out of this. Oh, hope we can get something going forward. And we lost. Like, that was how it felt watching it. Just a bunch of useless, mentally weak players. And it was so upsetting because it also comes down to the manager who set them up to succeed in the first half. He got it 100% right. And then whatever he said, he got it 200% wrong. He turned it off. He parked it down. They were moving in slow motion. They had their heads down. They are walking to things. They were taking longer getting up. Just where's the spirit that we just saw? Why are you giving up? It's not over. So it just the whole thing. I mean, if they, if they played the second half the way they played the first half, they could have won this match 4-2. And 
the way we would be talking about this team right now, the way the world would be looking at Milan would be so different. You know, and I get not like I'm drawing parallels again here. I was at a sporting event on Sunday that for one of for a team that I am a diehard fan of that when I look back in a couple years, it's a it's a team that is rebuilding. It's a team that's trying to get back to where it was, which is a stage of greatness of titles. And I'm going to look back at that game on Sunday that they ground out a massive win in. And I'm going to say that was the game where everything changed because they were a team that was trying to build. They've been trying to get back to this point. It hasn't been working. They've been losing in such agonizing fashion all season. And then they come up against a rival a very good team competing for a title and they got them and it was huge and it's built all this momentum. And now everyone says, this is the game we look at in a few years. And this is where it all turned around. And at two nil in this Milan game, I thought that I was going to be having the best day of my sports life because I thought it was going to be the same thing for another team that I love. And now I'm looking back and I'm just like, are you kidding me? If they had played the way they had in that first half, in the second half, I would be on cloud nine right now. But I just feel like I saw a team in the first half and it was, this is what I want them to be. This is what I, this is when I put them in the best possible light, this is what I see. And in those final 45 minutes plus stoppage time, I got slapped in the face and realized this is what they are. This, the second half Milan is Milan. And that's the reality that we're all dealing with right now. And nothing could be more frustrating. The only thing that could be more frustrating is thinking about that and then realizing we have to play Inter on thir- or Juventus on Thursday. Oh yeah. Oh, this is a massive L coming straight our way. Any confidence that I had reached its peak at about 45 minutes into the match. Cuz I was like Ibrahimovic is going to help us get to I don't know, fifth, what, you know, whatever, wherever you think we were going, we were going there and we were coming in hot. And then it all came crashing down. We have to play Juventus in the Coppa Italia. And I swear if Stefano Pioli rotates for this game, oh my God, because it's, it's a, oh, that, yeah, those are fighting words because this is our home leg. Like, frankly, I would have rather had this one away because of reasons that we mentioned before where this comes in an easy stretch for Juventus, but the next leg comes in a hard stretch for Juventus. So our best hope is for them to choose the Derby d'Italia and the Champions League as priority over our game in the second leg. But the first leg... 
I think we are well and truly hosed. I'd love to be wrong, but all of our momentum that we had at 45 minutes died at about 53 and then got stomped into the ground at 70 and then it got buried at 93. So we have no confidence. We have no momentum. We are the down in the dumps Milan team right now with Juventus coming in and Juventus, by the way, really actually want this. Like, this is widely considered. I check all the outlets for all the articles leading up to the game. This is a huge game for Juventus because of all the, like, all the swirling um, rumors, the discontent with Sari, the Cristiano Ronaldo is scoring, but the team isn't getting results thing. Um, they're winless in their last five, by the way. Even though Ronaldo has scored in 10 straight games, which everyone pays attention to, Juventus are not winning. And they're now not in first either. And they're going to come in against a major rival on the road with Ronaldo. They'll look to get this trophy if they, if they can. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to run it out on Thursday. And I really don't think we're winning this game. And we're going to be lucky if it's any better than three. Like, best case scenario is a 3-1 loss for Milan. Because I can see us getting one back. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for them to go in like they did with the first half. And frankly, the first half against Juventus a couple weeks ago. Like, if they ran out like that and really, really gave them a game, I'm just nervous that they won't be able to and that they'll be mentally weak again and they'll, they'll just get run over. And that's why my prediction is that 3-1 Juve. And I'd love to be wrong, but there's no indication that this is going to go well. No, it's it's going to be very bad. Um, I, I would also say a 3-1 I think is a fair result. Um, just really frustrating to think that Juventus are on such a such a poor run of form, so poor in fact that you know we have to give respect to Verona for being in sixth ahead of us by two points. Uh, they're the team we're chasing for that sixth spot right now. Um, they beat them with goals from Fabio Barini and Gianpaolo Pazzini the other day, which is actually the second most painful thing that I read on Sunday. Yeah, really frustrating. Because of course they did. Yeah, of course they did. Um, I'm just going to check real quick to make sure that... No, yeah, no, they're, they're the only two former Milan players that were in the lineup. Otherwise, I just would have really, really been even more frustrated because it could have been like, hey, why don't you give us a point and a half? Why don't you give Verona a point and a half? But Juventus is deep enough that they're going to be able to compete for both Coppa Italia and Serie A and the Champions League. Um, that's just, that's a fact. They are going to be a team to beat on all three fronts. But they have been struggling. And they should be ripe for the picking. And if, again, we go back to the Derby, if we win that game, if we play two halves like we did the first, 
I think we're singing a different tune about this game too. Oh, for sure. I think we're I would have picked about, us to win. Yeah, I would have. Like, I would have at worst said it would be a one-one. I don't think it's going to be a one-one. I think it's going to be a very, very bad day. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's. I think we're going to have a rough time, and we're going to come out. And the problem is, like I've said, our like I've said this the whole time. It's been consistent that I think our hope is the second leg. If we can get a result in the first, I don't think we're going to be in a position that we'll be able to fight in the second leg. Because I I think we are going to be so well and truly beaten that come the second leg, it's going to be all but done. And we are going to have bigger fish to fry because we're going to need to secure a good spot. And you and I have said this whole time that we should go for Copa Italia. That we we should try. And I think it's going to be a foregone conclusion and we're going to have to focus on the league at that point. And it's really sad. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Because whether we focus on the league or whether we go for Copa Italia, they both produce the same end result if we get where we want to be. The only difference is Copa Italia comes with a trophy. And it's a trophy we haven't won in near two decades. You can't catch a break. Yeah, yeah. There's a, Milan has successfully entered itself into a no-win scenario. Because, first of all, they have shown mentally incapable the mental incapability of getting a big result or a big win, right? We were celebrating we we were celebrating wins against teams they should have beat that were harder than it should have been. One nil wins over Brescia. <laughs> yeah. Like these are like big deals because these are small victories and then they have a chance for a big one and it collapses under their feet. So I mean, that there's your recap, folks. There's your Inter 4, AC Milan 2 recap, and your Juventus, AC Milan, Copa Italia leg 1 preview. I mean, hang in there, folks, because we'll get there. We'll we'll figure it out, but this is... uh, it was a wake-up call. It was a real, real wake-up call on Sunday. And I'm not sure where we go from here. I mean, you know, the season isn't over, but we're in 10th. If we had won, we would have been in 6th. Firmly in 6th. But now, we're in 10th. We're back to where we were, like, pre-2020, where we're just like, here we are. Like, great. Let's see if we can get anything rolling and next up is Juventus so we'll see how this goes and you know everyone hang in there don't have too many meltdowns on Twitter it's not worth it uh on that note thank you for listening to uh the devil wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan offside I'm Patrick Stoll he's Tim Fontenot Tim thank you as always even though it wasn't a fun game to have to break down I enjoy doing it with you buddy always a pleasure in the way I see it the closer or the more more time goes the closer we get to MLS. So pick an MLS team. It's less painful. It's painful, but it's less painful. I am not sure about that, but we will see. I'm trying to tell myself that. I'm an Orlando City fan. It's just as painful. 
once we get more into MLS season, I'll I'll start looking at it. We'll talk about that on a later episode of the podcast. We can we can bring that up in the future. But uh, again, thank you for listening to the Devil Wears Rossonero at Sol underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot at SBN Rossonero and acmilan.theoffside.com. Shout out to all our staff at the AC Milan Offside for their excellent coverage of the Derby Meltdown, by the way. All the top stuff is there and, of course, on Twitter. Thank you a lot for listening. For Tim, for the staff of the AC Milan Offside, and for the SB Nation Podcast Network, I'm Patrick. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, and unfortunately, Milan for now is not ready. Hi, friends. Thanks again for listening, and guess what? You've made it all the way to the end of the podcast. That means that there are a few more ads headed your way in just a couple of seconds, but I'll give you a quick countdown so you have time to find something else to listen to, even if that happens to be another Devil Wears Rossonero episode, wink, wink. So thanks again from me and Tim for listening, and uh, the ads are on their way in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.